Uh, we might as well just go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. We're talking about money today, huh? Yeah! Listen to the enthusiasm. Some of you right now are like, I knew I should have slept in. I knew I should have just watched online. Uh-huh, yeah. So uh, let's, let's talk about this. We are going to talk about money today, and I know that this is probably one of the most uncomfortable subjects to talk about in church. Maybe you're here for the first time and you've been thinking, great, this is why I don't go to church. It's because of this sort of thing right here. So I want to talk about a couple perceptions we have as it relates to money in the church before we get into like the topic for today and deep into the message or anything like that. I think there is this idea out there, and maybe even some of us hold this, this belief that all the church talks about is money. Maybe that's been your past experiences. If you've gone to church before, maybe you grew up in a church like that. Maybe a friend invited you somewhere and like, it just seems like all the church talks about his money. Now, I can't speak for other churches and other pastors and things like that, but I can talk very specifically about Access Church and what we do here. In the last, since 2010, about the last 13 years, we have given roughly 660 messages. That's about 51 messages a year. And out of that 660 number, 41 of those messages have been specifically about money. That works out to be roughly 6% of the time we talk about money. And that's everything that God has to say, his financial instructions for our life, what God has to say about greed, what he has to say about debt, his instructions for savings, generosity. All in all, we have covered that in about 41 messages in the last 13 years. And if I do my math correctly, if we talk about money 6% of the time, that means the other 94% of the time, we're not talking about money, okay? So again, I know it's uncomfortable. I know some of us are just real uptight and we're thinking like, this is the last time I'm ever going to this church, you know, sort of thing. Before you get there, I want you to know, we have never been a church that all we talk about is money and we're not going to be a church that all we ever talk about is money. The vast majority of the time, we are talking about God's instructions for many other different areas of life. So that's that's kind of misconception number one. The second misconception is I think the one that's the most damaging, and that is all the church wants is my money. Now, some televangelists and, you know, some celebrity pastors have probably ruined it for the rest of us. There's certainly some bad experiences. Maybe you've even been a part of a church or other services where somebody guilted you into it or tried to manipulate you. You know, if you really loved God, then you'd give all your money or something, you know. That's how I hear those types of people, right? Out of the 660 messages, we've talked about money specifically 41 times. And out of that 41, we have talked about giving to a local church only 18 times or under 3% of the time. And I'll tell you this, if all we wanted as a church was your money, we would talk about it a whole heck of a lot more than 3% of the time, okay? That just doesn't make sense. And there is something far greater that we want for every single one of us than just money. What we want more than anything else is for every single one of us to be drawn into a growing relationship with God that Jesus Christ made possible. We want every single one of us, whether it's your first time here or you've been around since the very beginning of our church, for every one of us to find the riches of being connected to God in a relationship with him, how his presence is satisfying, how sufficient 
Jesus' sacrifice was on the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in our relationship with God. What we want is for every single one of us to experience more of God's love, to learn how to talk to him and be with him and live out everything. So many other things. And I will tell you this, if you come to this church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and never give a dime, we still want that just as much for you as if you gave thousands of dollars. It's not, we are not a church that's all about the money and all we want is the money. What we want is for every one of us to discover this relationship with God that Jesus made possible. And I, I tell you that because I hope that that would give you some freedom to maybe like, you know, to kind of let your guard down, to maybe unclench whatever it is you've got clenched right now sort of thing, you know? Because I, I, I think this, I think there's something that God wants each of us to understand. And if we tune off, if we start scrolling TikTok, if we, if we make up our minds ahead of time, we might miss out on what God wants to reveal to us today. And so I don't want us to miss that. So we're not all about money. We don't talk about money all the time. That's just kind of there. Now, here's how much money you have to give in the next two weeks. I'm just kidding. Okay. We're not talking about that. In fact, today is not even really so much about money as it is about trust. Who or what do we trust with our lives? Who or what do we trust with our hearts? I think one of the most ironic things in all the world, cue Alanis Morissette, isn't it ironic? One of the most ironic things is what's printed on all of our money. In God, we trust. This right here is like getting the answers before you ever take the test, okay? This is the solution. This is what we ought to do. If we could learn to do this, every single one of our lives would be better than if we didn't. But the funny thing is, is that most of us, and I'll include me in this too, end up trusting what this phrase is printed on more than trusting what the phrase is supposed to direct us towards. If you were, if I asked you what comes to your mind when you think of an idol, what do you picture? Most of us, I would assume, kind of got this, you know, maybe far Eastern sort of thing. And we picture like this golden statuish little thing and it's sitting on a mantle and candles and the place smells like incense. And, you know, there's a bunch of people around going, okay, that's what we tend to think of when we think of the word idol. And so if that's our mindset, if that's the picture in our heads, most of us would say money is not an idol, right? Probably none of us have a gold statue of George Washington sitting above our fireplace that we own next to. But Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, defines idol this way, a person or thing regarded with the highest admiration or adoration. It's an object of extreme devotion. And I think if we were honest with ourselves and we moved past kind of our initial pushback and, and really searched our hearts, I wonder if we would discover that maybe our money and how we view our money actually is pretty close to this. You see, I think in, in our lives, in our culture, money is one of the biggest competitors for our heart. How we view money, how we use money, what we think about money is often in direct competition with God himself. And I think there's a couple 
maybe big reasons for that. But one of them is because we just tend to trust what money promises us. Now, obviously your dollar bill has never talked to you. If you do, you should see a shrink. But we tend to believe, put our trust in what we think money can do for us. Let me ask a couple questions. Who or what do we trust to satisfy us on the inside? Who or what do we look to in life to fill that need that we have? Because I think this is something we're all searching for. Christian or not, just as human beings, we long to be satisfied. There's an emptiness inside each of us and we want to feel at peace. We want to feel some calm. We want to experience joy. We, I mean, happiness is something we're all kind of searching for. And so we think, generally speaking, money can bring us that. We trust that our money can provide this for us. And because we trust that, we treat our money differently. We spend, we, we tell ourselves, if I could just build that forever home, then I'll be happy on the inside, right? If I could just get that newer car, then I'd be content. If I could just buy that new phone, that new boat, add on to the home, go on another vacation, well, then that need on the inside then I would be satisfied, right? It's that, it's that longing, that looking for satisfaction that actually drives the American economy. It's why every year there's a new model of everything, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Every year it's the 2024 model. Next year will be the 2025 model. And it's, it's this, this searching for satisfaction is, is I think one of the primary reasons why the average American home has more than doubled in size in just the last few generations. This longing that we have on the inside is why many Americans, maybe even some of us here, we have thousands of dollars in credit card debt and less than $1,000 in savings. Because we just think, if I just had a little more, then I would find this, right? If I could just reach the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, then I would find satisfaction inside and so we spend more we, we we put ourselves we spend every dollar we have and some of us we even spend more dollars than what we have searching for this because we trust money can provide us with this but can it now money can buy some nice things right money's a wonderful tool i'm definitely not suggesting that you know let's just do away with money it's a neutral sort of thing money can can get us some things but can it provide us with this. I'm not so sure. If money could really give us this, how come so many of us feel like we're just perpetually stuck in the Rolling Stones song, I can't get no satisfaction? Here's another question. Who or what do we trust to make us feel secure? Every single one of us, we long for that like that safety that little like, you know, blanket that like, I don't want to have, I don't want to have worry about what's going to happen. I don't want to be afraid about what's going to happen. And we often look to money to provide that for us. If we can just build our retirement account a little more, then I'll be secure. If we can just make another sale and climb the ladder and, and be paid more per year, then I'll feel secure. If I can just have a few more dollars hidden in a coffee can buried in my backyard then I will finally feel I can take care of myself. Now, it's not a bad thing to be responsible, right? We should 
plan ahead of me. And there are all sorts of unknown things that might come up in life. Who knows what's going to happen to the economy? I don't. Who knows what's going to happen at the company you work for? It might go under. Chances are many of us are going to face some medical issues in life that are going to require a lot of money. We probably want to retire. If you're not like, there are some things that we need to do our part and be responsible. But the question about security comes down to this. How much is enough? How much is enough for us to finally be secure on the inside? Is trusting money or what money can do or what money can provide, is it capable of giving us that security that we long for? I think if we're honest with ourselves and kind of analyze our own hearts, maybe analyze the lives of our our friends and our family, even kind of culture at large, haven't we turned money into an idol? According to the definition, something we admire, something we adore, something that we devote much of our lives to, hasn't searching for these with money kind of made that an idol? And where has that gotten us? Where has that gotten us in life by putting money at that place for us? The Apostle Paul writes in one of his letters to Timothy, he says, people who long to be rich, people just following this path of trusting money, money is everything, and we fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, or I think Paul could have used the trust of money, is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, don't raise your hands for this one, but how many of us would say, yeah, that's been my story? I mean, these words are almost 2,000 years old now at this point, and yet for many of us, we could say, I've, I've, I've put myself there. Now, maybe to varying degrees, maybe we haven't, you know, our lives aren't total destruction, but we trusted in money to satisfy us. And you know what? We bought the new house. We got the new car. We added on. We went on another vacation. And yet, nagging desire to be satisfied is still there. It hasn't gone away one bit. We have, we have trapped ourselves believing that money could do something for us. How many of us could share a story saying, I thought money could give me security. I saved, I worked, I built, I accumulated, I acquired, I did everything I could. And yet on the inside, we still have the same fears and same worries and same anxieties about those sorts of things. How come as the great, you know, intellectual poet and scholar, notorious B.I.G. said, mo money, mo problems. How come? How come for so many of us, that's real and that's life? It's not that, it's not that money is a bad thing. Again, I, I think sometimes we get this idea, well, God just says no money. No, that's not it at all. Money is a useful tool. It's a neutral tool. It can certainly do a lot of things. Money is not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing to put our trust in because it's so unreliable. Every one of us have discovered that at some level or another. Or another in our lives. Money makes us these promises. 
It promises to fulfill us from the inside, and yet never once has it come through on that promise. Every single one of us are still searching for satisfaction and searching for security. Money is unreliable, and we hurt ourselves when we trust in money. Maybe we need to find something else to trust in. In, in Luke chapter 12, Luke is one of the four biographies of Jesus called the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 12, there's this really interesting scene we, we get with Jesus. He's there. You know, he's the hot ticket in town. There's thousands of people gathered around. Everybody wants to hear what Jesus has to say, okay? He's like, he's, he's, he's the man to go be around. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples and all these crowds, and he's telling them really about trusting God. He's saying, listen, why fear what man can do to you? Like, let's trust God. If you, if you believe in me, man, your soul is going to be saved for eternity. The Holy Spirit is going to help you through life. All of these incredibly deep things about trusting our Heavenly Father. And then there's this random guy in the crowd who just shoots his hand up and goes, Jesus, can you tell my brother to stop being a jerk and share the estate with me? Like, totally random, right? Totally out of the blue. Jesus was not talking about how to divide your will when you die, okay? So Jesus says to this guy, hey, listen, uh, that's not at all what I'm here for. Who made me the judge to divide your estate? But he goes into a parable. Jesus launches into a made-up story to prove a point about trusting God and how it relates to money. And this is what Jesus says. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? My life is so awesome. I don't even have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones, nicer pole barns. I'm going to like cement the floor and put in heat and drains and big screen TVs, you know? Sorry, that's my dream. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you reached it. This is the pinnacle of human life. You have enough stored away for years to come. Now you can take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. When I read this, you know what I hear? I hear the American dream. Because that's what we're all searching for and striving for and trying to work towards. We just want to have enough money and resources and finances that we will be secure we think that money can provide us and where we can finally be satisfied on the inside. Jesus is telling this story to a first century Jewish culture that is completely different than ours today. And yet it is just as relevant and applicable to us as it was when he first spoke these words. Listen, this is what we think. This is what we want. This is the direction we head. But this is not the end of the story that Jesus told. But God said to him, this rich man, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool. It's not wise to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Again, this is not Jesus saying wealth is bad, okay? But what he's saying is how foolish would it be to put all of our trust in money and miss out on trusting God? He transitions from terrible, made-up story, circumstance, and then Jesus starts talking about real life. Again, trying to help his original audience understand what this meant. What, where should we put our trust, if not in money? 
He goes on, he says, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon, one of the kings of Israel, everybody would have known he achieved and accomplished. He lived life to the fullest. Everybody would have known this. He says, but yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And guess what? If God cares so wonderfully for just flowers, you know, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, come on, man, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Or another word for faith, trust. Why do we trust God so little? He goes on, he says, don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Again, this is not Jesus saying being irresponsible, okay? That's not the point. But don't be consumed by these things. Don't worry about these things. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world but your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And guess what? He will give you everything you need. This is Jesus saying, don't get caught up in wealth. Don't put all of your trust, your hope, your faith in what money can do. It's unreliable. He was telling his disciples, listen, seek God, look to God, put your trust in God. If you want to be satisfied, Jesus says, trust God. If you want to be secure, Jesus says, trust God. I was reading a a, a different pastor this week. His name's Kyle Eidelman. A little bit of an ironic name. He's writing about idols. And he says this. He says, idols can't be removed. They have to be replaced. Idols in our lives cannot be removed. They have to be replaced. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. We can't just say, you know, I'm just not going to trust money anymore. There's, there is a throne in each of our hearts that someone or something sits on. We can't just say, not that anymore. We need to replace the idol of money with God. He is able to care and sustain and satisfy and give us lasting security on the inside where it matters most. Jesus, a little later on at the Last Supper, was talking to his disciples about all sorts of of different things. And one of the things he told them was, hey, I'm going to leave pretty soon, but I'm going to leave you with a gift. And the gift is peace of mind and peace of heart. And Jesus said that this peace, this supernatural peace, was something that the world couldn't give us. This was a peace that was going to be above any relationship we'd have, above any accomplishments, above any status, and above any sort of financial outlook as well. Jesus said that he could offer us a peace that was independent of the stock market. Jesus said he would offer us peace of mind and peace of heart that was independent of how full or how empty our bank account was. Jesus offers to give us, as we as we experience God's presence, offers to give us a peace that is independent of how much money we make, how much our bills are, all we can. It is possible to experience peace. That's what Jesus said. What if we trusted him with that? The Apostle Paul reiterates the very same thing. We read earlier from 1 Timothy where he warned us about the dangers of trusting money. But later on in that letter, he says this, Teach those who are rich in this world, he was writing to another pastor, not to be proud 
and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Every one of us, again, we don't need to be convinced of this. We've all lived through the unreliability of what money doesn't come through for. Instead, their trust, our trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment, who richly helps us feel secure and satisfied. Our trust should be in God who is the one that is capable of helping us feel safe and helping us feel full on the inside as well. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, I've discovered in my life that God's grace is all I really need. He wrote to the Philippians, he said, I've, I've discovered the secret of being content in every situation, whether I have a lot or a little. The secret is that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I have put my trust in God and I, man, I'm okay on the inside because of it. And I just wonder for every one of us, what if that could be true for us? What What if? I know maybe there's questions and, and hesitations and that sounds like pie in the sky sort of thing, but like put all that aside for a moment. What if it were possible for God to fill those needs rather than looking to money? What if trusting God is actually the thing we need the most and that would do the most benefit for us? That longing for satisfaction for many of us is just, it's, it's almost insatiable. It can never be like kind of, kind of curbed or anything. What if that desire to spend, 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 looking to find the pot of gold, what if, what if we could be done with that? Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be freeing? How much more peace could we experience in life if we could just say, I don't need money to make me feel satisfied because I am already satisfied, God, in being with you. You are life. You are joy. You are where I find my fulfillment. Your presence, God, satisfies me. Would you want that? If you could have that, would you want that? How about when it comes to security? Every one of us, again, we're, we're, we're searching for it. We're longing for it. We do everything we can to, to, to save and accumulate. What if we could be free from that fear, free from that worry to say, God, no matter what happens, I believe that you take care of me. That's not American dream. That's not God, I trust you. And I'm going to get a five bedroom home next week. That's not it. But God, I am secure in the fact that you say you love me. And I know that I'm secure in the fact that no matter what happens tomorrow, next week, next year, that this life is short, eternity is long, and I am guaranteed to be with you because of Jesus. God, I am secure because you have given me the Holy Spirit to fill my heart with your love, not just knowledge about, but God, I'm good in here because you are good. What if we could really live there? You know what we do talk about all the time? a relationship with God. What if this relationship with God thing really was the answer? What if you and I could actually be better on the inside? The more we get to know God, the more we discover his character and the more 
we trust him as a result. Maybe it's time that we move our trust away from money and put God back on the throne of our hearts.